Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Newism podcast, where we talk to social innovators and disruptors to discover how they would shape a new, more inclusive economic system fit for the modern world. Our guest today is Pam Warhurst, the founder of Incredible Edible, an organisation which uses food to empower people to build stronger and more resilient communities. The concept starts with propaganda gardens, where people plant edible plants in unused public spaces. The creation of these gardens is a small act which triggers a wide range of other effects, creating conversation between people who might otherwise not have crossed paths, changing the way people relate to each other and community institutions, stimulating the local economy, and ultimately empowering people and communities to live more sustainably and take charge of their own future. So for today's um, Newism podcast, I'm speaking to Pam Warhurst, um, who's uh, uh, founded an organization called Incredible Edible. Um, so Pam, maybe you could tell me a little bit about that. What is Incredible Edible? Um, it's a movement of ordinary folks who want to live their lives differently um, in that they recognize we don't live sustainably and there's something not very nice around the corner. Uh, and in the absence of um, any WISO plan at a national or international level, we've just decided to use local food as our call to action to just demonstrate that we can all live a little more kindly. That, 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 that sounds uh, really, really positive and, 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 and interesting. So how does that work? I mean, um, uh, when, when you know, I, I was reading about you, and you've got this kind of slogan: "Which if 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 you eat, you're in." Mm. How does it work on a practical basis? Mm, okay. Um, well, I guess the practical side of it is a very simple model, um, so that you've kind of got a route map to what this is all about. So I maybe start with that, and then yeah. move to some of the some of the ways of doing things that just pop out of the model. Um, so the model is really simple. If local food is uh, the universal language that brings us together, um, that engages us whatever our age or income uh, or wherever we come from or whatever our abilities are, if, if food is that universal theme, which it would seem to be, um, then we talk about spinning three plates because this is about agitation and this is about activity, not writing a thesis. So around the place that you call home, wherever that is, because this is self-defined, this isn't about somebody saying you are in this district and you will behave in this way. So if your home is a village or a town or a borough or a neighborhood, wherever that is, um, the first plate is about community planting in very public places. Uh, local food so that we start ourselves to change the shape of our uh, everyday experiences along the high street or at the doctors or at the station or whatever so we just encourage people in unloved places to plant food um, herbs berries vegetables whatever they want to plant uh, whatever they've got their hands on there's no you don't have to be a horticulturalist or have a you know be a member of the RHS or whatever you just start to plant food locally, verges, you name it. So you do that, um, and that might seem um, inconsequential, except what that does 
is it gets you going. It starts conversations sometimes with complete strangers. It starts to make the place that you uh, live in look different. So a place that was unloved and had cans all over the place, maybe you've just put your gloves on, cleaned it up, and planted a herb garden. You've just done it because mm-hmm. um, there's an act of faith in all this that we can live differently and we don't need permission to do that. So that's the first thing you do. And you've got to remember that this is a long-term plan. This is a, what I call a forever project. So, you know, f- food springs up really quickly. So it's a really easy mechanism. And we call those gardens propaganda gardens because it starts a conversation. So that's the first thing. You just create edible spaces all over the shop. Then, obviously, um, we recognize loads of people don't know how to grow or don't know what to do with it when it has grown. So you find ways in your community of talking to folks who might be able to spread a little of that knowledge. People who know how to pickle and bottle. People who know how to uh, cook simple meals on a budget. People who know how to grow what and when in what type of soil. They're all over the place, people like that. You know, often they're retired. Sometimes they're uh, just people who you've not spoken to. They come from another continent or or whatever, but they have skills. So you start those conversations with people um, in and around the school gate sometimes, you know, because sometimes learning happens um, inside the school gate with our young kids, but not necessarily when they leave that school gate and go home to maybe a pot noodle or whatever. So you think creatively because this is about self-help, um, mm-hmm. about the skills you might need if you were going to see what I call edible landscapes all over the place. Mm-hmm. And if it was more normal to have urban farmers as part of our communities. Mm-hmm. And the third thing you do is, okay, so how, how does that build resilience? How does that cut across generations? How does that really help us create traction at a grassroots level? And the simple solution to that is you try and create jobs from it. So how do you do that if you've not got any big budget or, um, you know, you've not got a bureaucracy sat at the core? Well, you know, why don't we give blackboards to local food producers, to the local butchers, the local market, the person who um, has a street stall selling local food? And why don't we just give them and say, why don't you scratch up on that what's local and have a conversation with people about it? And the really interesting thing about about that is that because People love talking about food, you know, all the time. Um, So it attracts people to those uh, local producers. And over time, it has been shown that, you know, local cafes want to get on the back of that. They want to have local free rent edge. They want to know where the sausages came from. They want to have local cheese. They source local milk producers or whatever happens to be in the area. So you start to stimulate an interest in a local, what I call, sticky money economy, where the profit stays in the, at the point of spend. Um, and collectively, over time, the model, the experiment, tested whether edible landscapes combined with new learning skills, combined with using the pound in your pocket to support local producers, could start to help people see that the way maybe we've been living in the past 50 years hasn't been the most sustainable and actually there is a bit of an alternative to the supermarket while it's not doing the supermarkets down. Um, And we've just done it because we've had the will to do it and we've kicked off. 
So that's kind of the model, um, and uh, evidence would seem to suggest over the last 10 years that people like that, that it attracts people who are ready to start to do things differently but didn't know where the end of that thread was. People who, um, you know, have been kind of sold a line that says if it's not big, it's not beautiful. Um, and we all know going right back to Schumacher and, be, uh, and before, um, you can do wonderful things with a pair of small actions. So that's all Incredible Edible is all about. It's not trying to create the big solution to life, the universe and everything. But it is saying that as a result of living unsustainably, we've not done a heck of a lot of good for ourselves and our kids and our planet. So why don't we just see if we can do more modest things? And through that, maybe point a finger to a new sort of prosperity. That's all Incredible Edible is. When you say that's all it is, that's phenomenal because you're talking about almost a kind of complete uh, um, local economy being developed, not only on the basis of you know, job creation or, 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 or using local suppliers and, 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 and um, uh, shops and so on, but you're actually talking about community development as well, aren't you? At the same time, you're talking about people actually It's the lived experience now. It's just the lived experience, right? We don't live our lives as, you know, we, we blend education and commerce and physical activity and beauty. We blend that in our everyday lives. But sometimes the solutions from professionals have tried to separate that all out. And all that we're trying to do is to create the opportunity on the street, as it were to blend all those together as our physical experience and to say, well, you know, in 92, Rio West Summit drew our attention to the needs of the planet and we haven't seen a heck of a lot happening in 25 years. So what if we have a bash at doing that? And what if that means that the kids have been brought up in the period of time that Incredible Edible is running and in Tubmerdon, where it kicked off, but in other places, Wakefield and Lambeth and Bristol and all over the place where it's happening, years and years of doing this means that children start to see spaces differently, start to think about the skills they may, may want to uh, acquire in the future, start to think about how they're spending their money. So it's not a quick fix that suddenly you have a Damascene moment. But it is creating a different environment in which we can bring up our children and our families. And it is saying that, well, I am saying, and others that seem to sign up to the idea of Incredible Edible would seem to endorse this, people can be magnificent when it comes to, you know, wanting the best for their families and their neighbours and their communities. And they are prepared to do things that contribute towards that different way of seeing things. So, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a belief in the power of small actions. It's an understanding there's no quick fix for what we've done to ourselves and the planet. It's saying maybe this isn't the solution to everything, but maybe it starts to seed a different way of thinking about things and prepare us for a time when things are going to change and things are going to change. That's yeah, all we can do. Yeah, I mean, it, it, what you're talking about accords into a lot of the uh, interviews that we've been having on this, on this podcast. 
as we've been speaking to social entrepreneurs uh, around the world who are all doing different things in, in, in different ways and trying to create change. What we are looking at here, I think, in the newism is, okay, um, with, with these, these small actions, and they are small actions around the world, um, with people who are sharing values, um, maybe never connecting with another, another, one another, but having similar values, it is the basis of a completely new paradigm shift in terms of uh, uh, the economy. But we, we, we're not in a position yet to articulate that, what that theory is, but people are, people are actually doing things like yourself on the ground, um, which, which people believe are, are sustainable and constructive and positive. Um, uh, but what the challenge is, how do you connect these up so that we can have some kind of theory that, 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 that we all kind of adhere to? Is, is that something that you think is, is, is uh, feasible for the future, a new economic um, system? Mm, I, think, um, I think it's an interesting question. And I think I would say um, I'm less inclined to theory and more inclined to demonstration. Um, I'm more inclined to, to articulate the shared values um, and catch up with people wherever they are on the planet who share those values and get strength from that because the strength of a movement is that you're not on your own. Mm. And it can sometimes seem like a pretty steep hill that we're climbing because status quo works really quite well for quite a lot of people. But I think, for me, um, it would be a mistake to take it back into the theory which tends to the academic. And more important, that we start to capture some of the really simple lessons that we're learning, which is, you know, at the end of the day, um, we can only alter what we've got our hands on. And what we've got our hands on is our own community. And that we are sold a few untruths about the only thing that matters is scale when what matters is spread um that we have to deal with something at, at a time in our history that actually in a way forces us to just start to live differently this is all it's about it just you know what what we've got um as a an echo from our current system is austerity all over the place. What we've got is a breakdown of support mechanisms that helped people live well and prosper. Um, and what that has done is two things. It's forced people to look back to their own resources about what they can do in their communities. And it's focused the mind of the people who create the frameworks of our lives whether that's in health or local service or, you know, the police or whatever it might be, who no longer have the money that allows the arrogance to be perpetuated that says this is the only way we're going to do things. We're going to do things to you. Um, and we're going to do it with the best will in the world. But, you know, um, so all that's changed. So that the, 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 what's happened with the current system is we actually do have a state of unrest that is looking for new ways of looking at things. What yeah, we've got yeah. on the other hand, what we've got on the other hand is, you know, increasing evidence that very soon we're going to see some major shifts 
around some of the big levers in our lives, access to water, access to uh, continuity in terms of being able to predict weather, continuity in terms of having access to whatever we want, whenever we want, in any shop we want it from. So increasingly, you know, we are living in a, uh, in a world that is increasingly unstable and uncertain at a time when we have a lack of traditional resources. And that's a perfect time for people to share positive ways of living well and prospering without two cars, smeg fridges, whatever they've actually got, whatever. So um, the, the theory is simply a, a story. It's a story of hope because ultimately human beings are immensely adaptable and have had their adaptability and their innovation and their uh, ability to pull rabbits from hats squashed in a system that didn't allow them opportunities. And what we're trying to do is open up opportunities. And what we're trying to do is say, we all have within us an entrepreneurial spirit, whether that's about how we help other folks in our street, or whether we want to become the food entrepreneur of tomorrow and, you know, um, I don't know, breed loads of grubs so we can have local protein that keeps us healthy. Whatever it might be, I don't know. Um, so I'm not keen on theory. I am keen on spreadability of hope. Yeah, I mean, I think um, when we're talking about going to get a theory, I mean, all the interviews that we've been doing have been talking to people who are doing constructive things uh, either within the community or trying to trying to spread that uh, uh, globally, um, and I think um, you know where we're coming from is if you put all of these things together, actually, um, in, in a practical sense, you've got a, a, a potential for a new economic theory completely. And yeah. one one of our theses is, is really that the the current economic system is 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 isn't fit for purpose for a modern world which is what you're saying mm. um but that um all, all the time though you'll find economists who'll talk about the current system and how they might change it but they're just they're just looking at the current system and changing it a bit actually not changing the system what you actually require to do is have a new system which which people like you and others around the world are doing um, you're just getting on with practically doing things. And there's a lot of people around the world who will subscribe to the same values. But it's a question of what that, that sounds up to. So let me, let, me, let me ask you a question about this, mm. which I've been speaking to other, other people. I mean, what you're describing is very much just about local. It's a local economy. It's about um, uh, uh, people in, in, in that community taking control. But, but we're, we're global. We can't get away from the fact that we're global with the technology that there is. So, you know, in speaking to some social entrepreneurs, they'll say, they will use the word often, scale. We've got to go to scale because if we can go to scale, we can lift X number of people out of poverty. And mm -hmm. it's a global issue and it's not a local issue. Uh, where, where do you sit in that debate? And do, you know, when, you, when you're talking about spread rather mm -hmm. than scale, um, where do you sit in the kind of global? Is, is, if somebody's 
listening to this interview and is inspired by what you have to say in, in Peru or, or San Francisco mm. or, or Cape Town, um, and they want to get in touch with you, you're going to get in touch with them. Uh, global pressures and global institutions are ginormous now in terms yeah. of how they influence our lives. So are you saying we just ignore that and continue on locally or, or, or how do we devise something that's an alternative to the, the, the global institutions that put so much okay. pressure on our lives? Um, yeah, um, it, it, it's a really important question. And um, I think I respond to that with a degree of humility, which is um, I haven't got oversight about how to knit together a prosperous future that doesn't undermine the planet at a time when we've got less than two decades to get our act together. Or we are going to see increasing poverty, um, increasing immigration leading to tensions, increasing breakdown of an economic system that is no longer fit for purpose. I haven't got a master plan for that. What I have is a little piece of a jigsaw that is part of a bigger picture that says, can we just remember we need to put people into these equations? And people operate at a very local level. And that's my little bit of the equation. So, you know, I actually, um, I came into this because I didn't see any international leadership challenging some of the global commercial interests that haven't done us any favors. Um, and, I, and I'm not convinced that technology is gonna sort everything out. What I am convinced about is that we need to bring up a generation of people who believe in themselves, who believe in their gifts, and who believe that they can contribute as part of a solution to a kind of world. And that belief in investment in the next generation lies at the heart of what Incredible Edible is about. I am not arrogant enough to be able to say I have got a local economic model that, you know, by sticking a load of local economic models together can vie with some of the big powerhouses that are there today. But I do seriously wonder in the next 30 years whether some of those international global players are going to be doing things in exactly the same way as they always were. But part that, because there's nothing worse than just negativity to kind of like drain the spirit mm. for getting on with doing stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's what this is all about. We don't, we don't want to be negative. We're trying to be constructive. And uh, obviously what you're doing is very constructive. It's very inspiring, actually, listening to you in terms of what well, you're doing. Well, you know, I, I do think it's, a, it's also, and it's also about being content to know that you're starting to drop pebbles in a pond that you don't know where the ripples are going to go out to. Except I know that one of the missing links that I've got is the engagement of young people and the engagement of other cultures. Because what I'm clear about is as we need to feed ourselves more locally, because the likelihood of whizzing all over the planet in the way that we do now, 
um, and having access to food irrespective of the season is probably going to change a bit in the next 30 years. I don't, I've got no intentions of being precise about that, but I think all the indications are that things are going to change. Then what needs to happen is that we need to be prepared now to challenge the people that are making our current frameworks into thinking in a different way. So let me just say, what Incredible Edible does is to demonstrate an alternative proposition. It doesn't stop there. So local people doing local stuff and spreading the message to other local people who are engaged because they're not frightened of this big thing called scale, but they understand spreadability and they understand talking to other people who are mums and dads and all the rest of it who have concerns about tomorrow. That is the very beginning of what we are trying to do. What we have captured are some asks of the people who run local government, the people that run our NHS, the people that you know, um, spend a lot of public money in a way that isn't sustainable. And our asks are around, will you please, in, and this is increasingly the case across the piece, will you please start to spend your money in support of more sustainable economic practices? Don't forget, I only do food. We could be talking energy, we could be talking anything, but I only do food because it's a discipline that I've, decided is, is is probably the best way to engage so spend your money differently create jobs locally think about apprentices that, that that could help you produce the stuff that you are buying in to feed people or make school meals with or feed patients in hospitals use your power of spend in support of a local economic proposition where you can also use your estates differently because we need to inspire people to see that, that we can grow our food in different places with different technologies, whether that's aquaponics, hydroponics, you know, a really living soil-based culture, up the side of buildings, on the top of buildings, whatever. Use your estates differently. Create edible estates. Inspire people to see local food growing seasonally. Inspire people to understand biodiversity. Inspire people to understand some of those building blocks of a healthy, resilient food environment, etc., etc. So increasingly, we're challenging public realm. Increasingly, we're challenging school curriculum. Increasingly, we're challenging the use of local markets. Increasingly, we're challenging the way we spend our money. And all of that collectively starts to stimulate a different way of thinking about demand and supply. And that is, our, that is our offer. That is what we offer to the next generation when we start to say, we need to think outside the box. You're the next generation. I can't imagine what it's like to be 16 year old. You've got some great ideas. Nobody bothers asking you about them. Come and work with us to build this more positive form of prosperity. And, and you, you, interestingly, you're saying that young people are, are... Uh, you know, very interested in what you're doing or, or getting involved in what you're doing because I, I, I'd imagine people would initially think that young people, this is the last thing they'd be interested in. They, they, they'd be more interested in looking at the computer and playing computer games and so on and so forth. But you're actually saying that you, you've engaged a lot of young people and they are... We are... A, seriously. Mel, what, 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 I'm tr what I'm saying is we started with what we got and what we got is a lot of people my age, <laughs> basically. But you start with what you've got. You don't wait till you've sort of like recruited people that you can't imagine are there. 
from yeah. that, some simple truths have come out around um, things have got to change. And from that, we are starting, and we are only starting now, but it really has started to ratchet up young people for whom the future is not looking great and who feel that we kind of let them down because we have let them down. So increasingly, young people, you, look, this isn't the entire under 24-year-old population of the world. This is increasing numbers of young people who are understanding their own um, agency, who are understanding that there are some people who recognize they've made a bit of a fist of things and who want to help them and listen to them and collectively come up with some cross-generational ideas about how we can live well and prosper in an increasingly challenged climate, both environmentally, socially, and economically. So yeah, absolutely. And the, the best thing in the entire world is that I just, I'm so sure that if we can start to speak and learn from young people uh, with their ideas, they will come up with things that we cannot even imagine because it is their future that we have undermined. It is their future that we want to help support um, in a way that allows them to have health, wealth and happiness um, in challenged times. So the, I, I, that's absolutely encouraging, particularly if young people are, are, are getting involved and, and adding their ideas and, and innovation into this. You, you mentioned that you touched on their earlier local government. So mm. moving forward, what is the role of local government? Local government, in, uh, particularly these days in the UK, seems to be increasingly marginalised, doesn't have mm. huge resources. It doesn't seem to be showing much leadership. It just seems to be in a position where it's continually hanging on. Uh, as it were, in, 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 well, your view, in your view, where's local authority, a local government, local authority, or a town council? What's their role in this? Do they have one? Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, I mean, I think this is really interesting because in times of challenge like this, it allows us to throw the pack of cards up in the air and see them fall in a different way. So. But before I answer that, and yes, I do think there's a role for them, and I don't think there's one colour of local government, you know, and they're all, they're all something as opposed to something else. They, they are human beings. It is human beings that run these things, and it is human beings that make them all slightly different. What I think we've learned is that the public sector isn't the one that solely can create solutions. What we have learned increasingly is that it is a mix of the three sectors. The individual and community, the public sector using the public purse, and the private sector being less risk averse when it comes to finding creative solutions to the knotty problems. You know, and we're starting to break down as we have a life experience of trying to work out, okay, how are we going to do incredible at the local level? How are we going to get that managed? How are we going to uh, help more people buy locally? How are we going to uh, make sure that our propaganda gardens don't look like nothing on earth? How are we going to make sure that we don't cut somebody's foot off? All these things about taking personal responsibility has helped us see that it isn't white hat for public sector, black hat for private sector, that we are all mums, dads, sons, daughters, doing the best we can uh, in the sector we operate within. So we need to start with an, a, an open heart, as it were. 
that we can all be part of something that is creative. In terms of the public sector and local government, for sure, it's been completely stripped back. And its raison d'etre, in many cases, is driven by the well-being agenda and the care agenda. Um, and some of the stuff that it got uh, involved in in the past um, is becoming less prevalent. Well, you know, local government started because it wanted to make sure that folks could have shelter uh, and uh, be healthy and, you know, uh, uh, that, that purpose of well-being was right there at its heart. And it's kind of just come full circle. And that's not a bad thing. What I would say is I've met some amazing leaders in local government who absolutely are at the cutting edge of embracing a different future for local government. I would cite Wigan Council, for example, as being a council whose chief exec came to say, we want you to work with our officers to work out how we get out of the way of people being incredible. And from that have come conversations about the use of their public realm and the use of their procurement policies and the use of their markets and the like. And we are at the very beginning of that conversation, even though we're two and a half years into it. But nevertheless, the will to change is there at the heart of that authority, as it is in many other authorities. The ones in the north I know better than the ones um, in the south of England, but all over the place, in Bristol, in London, people are ready to stop doing to people, predominantly, I have to say, because they haven't got the budgets to do it anymore, and are ready to say, is there an alternative way that we can have a social contract with our citizens that allows them to live well and prosper? So they are still key. And what we need to do, and what we are working at in Incredible Edible, is to say, this is what an incredible edible local authority would look like. And the, this is the evidence that by getting out of the way and using public realm differently and using procurement differently and all that stuff, actually, you can have the confidence that your people can live well because they have stopped being victims and they have started being partners in a different way of living. So and this, I would say the same for health. I would say that, you know, the way that we spent money in health hasn't necessarily delivered a more healthy population and hasn't necessarily um, tackled some of the really naughty issues that young people are experiencing around mental health or whatever. But again, there are leaders in health who are rethinking what that social contract with their patients and their communities is looking like. And we at Incredible Edible in our own little way, are saying the creation of edible landscapes around hospitals so people can actually taste food as it is growing on the, on the plant and can see that they can do that themselves, can take back their own health, can take back their own nutrition, is a way of relieving pressure on a public service that's hugely stretched. When you look at the stats, you know, 20% of people that go to doctors go there because they want to want to talk to them because nobody does, not because they're ill. You know, loads of people are suffering from illnesses that a different approach to activity and nutrition might help. That would help relieve pressure on a public purse for those real cases that need professional support. Incredible Edible, in its own little way, 
is contributing towards a rethink of taking back personal responsibility and the ramifications across public realm and the ramifications for opportunities to create social enterprises around that are huge. And all we've done is got out of people's way and allowed them to realize that in this little end of this thread that's called Incredible Edible, I can find a new way of approaching the future. That's uh, fabulous. And in terms of local authorities, you know, currently the, the, the funding from central government and from, from um, rates, as it were, or what were previously called yeah. rates. How do you see, going forward, uh, do you kind of still think that tax is a, is, is, is a, is a cornerstone of what we do? Is that, is that how we fund public services from, from now on? Or are, are, are public services funded in a different way? Or is tax still central to this? Well, I, I, for me, um, it's about a so. I, I go back to that that concept of a social contract. I think we, I think people are perfectly prepared to offer up some of their income when they believe in the contract they're contributing towards. Um, I believe people are no longer comfortable and quite fact quite cynical about blank checks and i believe that local authorities like wigan and i go back to wigan again because that's the best example i know have launched a social contract with their citizens and that contract is called the deal and the deal says we haven't got the dosh to do things like we used to do things but here's a thought if you citizens will volunteer, will um, you know comply with, with 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 a few very basic ways of 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 being good citizens, if you might, we, the local authority, will keep your taxes down, empty your bins, and teach your kids or whatever. It's it's kind of throwing a spotlight on that two way street of uh, contractual arrangements, which quite honestly has, has, uh, has not been the case in the recent past. So I think, you know, hypothecation is an, uh, look, when you get down to, does it cost you more money to do it this way to actually hypothecate than not? Well, you're in a realm that I don't have the details about. But I do think that if people see a health service that genuinely is supporting people and investing in communities so that they can be healthier themselves, that prioritizes what is important to them, um, then I think the people are perfectly prepared to contribute towards that through their taxes. But I think most people in local government would um, would say that as central government's funding is reduced, they need to be more creative about how they operate and where they operate and where technology can come into play to help them do things with less money. But ultimately, I guess I'm saying there is a need for the public sector to be funded and we don't need to stop pretending um, that things can be done with fresh air. And we need to stop pretending that by withdrawing funding from some of the basic rights of a citizen, um, we haven't created 
a major cost somewhere down the line, whether that's in terms of community cohesion or whether that's in terms of society's health or whatever. So we need a more open dialogue with our citizens. And the best way to do that is to start at a local level. Yeah. Well, listen, um, we, we have to stop there. Um, I think you and I could go on speaking for another two or three hours. Um, but um, it's certainly been inspiring listening to you. Um, uh, I think Incredible Edible is, is, is something that's not just about, initially one thinks it's about just about eating some food or something locally. Actually, it, it opens up a whole area of debate about how we live our lives and how we are in community. And, and basically, actually, uh, what uh, our uh, economy should look like and how we uh, uh, make an economy for uh, the community and for ourselves so that we can all uh, prosper in, 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 a, in, in a sustainable way. So I'd like to thank you very much, Pam, for, for, for speaking to us today. Um, and um, I'm sure we'll speak to you again. And um, really good luck with everything. And, and, and I, for one, and hopefully others, will now be, be following your, your progress with a huge amount of interest. So thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. As we were saying our goodbyes to Pam, she and Mel brought up another point which we wanted to share too. So here it is. I know farmers in Bolivia, for example, um, and, and they, would, they would have the same discussion as, as, as you. And they've said things to me like, there's a road up to this farm area in, 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 in a part of Bolivia, and, and they, won't, they won't fix it because it's, 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 they don't want people coming there. But because mm. they, they believe that, they, that it's going to destroy what they've got. They've created a community. It's not wealthy. But they're, they're, you can actually tell in terms of measuring, I don't know how you measure these things, but they're definitely happier. The kids smile what? and run around and, 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 and so on. And they eat <clears throat> the food that they eat, of course, is, 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 is really, really rich, um, good I, food. I think it's really, I think you've touched on something there. I might just say that uh and i should look as you say um it's a big subject and part of my problem's always been how to pinpoint those you know those moments when you can do something and that's why increasingly i'm thinking around all right let's create um what an incredible local authority looks like and then put that out let's create what an incredible school looks like and put that out um, and then see where that goes. And that's where the spreadability comes as opposed to the scale. Here's a model, why don't you try it? But ultimately, you've hit the nail on the head there because the big thing that I've got, and I'm not an expert in any of this, is for as long as we use measures like GDP mm. to indicate success, we'll never crack this. Mm. However, God be praised, the OECD come up with their better life stuff which actually measures things like security and happiness and being a part of measures things in a different way mm. that makes a lot of sense as you're going to hell in a handcart wouldn't it be great to go with a bunch of people that actually cared about you to actually nurture you along the way so mm. i think what we measure is what we invest in and we're measuring the wrong things oh, yeah. that's totally. the truth of the matter totally agree with you on that totally there is something so empowering and attainable in the concept that small actions can bring about important change. We hope you enjoyed hearing about Incredible Edible and Pam's views on how we can live more kindly and sustainably. See you next week.